guys, it's been a while since we've had to do this, but this one is rough. It's so fucking sad. I'm very not happy. Yeah. Um, this episode, I would put a trigger warning on it for those um, who are sensitive to things like sexual violence or domestic violence, domestic violence and sexual abuse. Yes. The other thing you have to be super mindful of is um, the color turquoise. If that does anything for you Very at all. Very important. Yes. That last one is a joke just to make it a little bit of comedy because this one is this one is very sad. I'm so sad. I want a hug and a nap and hot chocolate and a dog to cuddle. All the things. Please, guys, let's not. All right. So enjoy this episode. I think we need to d- record a disclaimer for this disclaimer. <laughs> it's, it's a very informative, interesting episode that just happens to be sad. It's a good episode. A lot of conversation, a lot of stuff. Out. I just We just wanted to warn you that if you have have um issues with that you might want to be aware before you go into it but enough of our dumb voices um enjoy the show yay cult podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence listener discretion is advised now please enjoy the show don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andre Gazzetta. Yay! Yay! I'm and trying a new radio voice. Do you guys like it? Yay. <laughs> Depressing. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode and this cult comes to us from a listener. Mm. So we have mentioned her before. If you've been listening to Cult Podcast for a while, you'll remember that uh, someone gave Marie a onesie with the uh, Weird Hollywood Youth logo yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was from Cassie in San Diego. Oh, Cassie! Cassie, who is also making my wedding rings. Yeah. Aww. So when oh, I we went, love Cassie. Cassie's great. Uh, when I went down to work on designing the rings, basically to kind of like meet with her and talk about like what they're going to look like. She gave me a book and she was like, you have to read this. Like, you have to do this cult. You have to read it. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I took the book. Jake stole it from me and read it first. And then was just like, that book was nuts. And so then I had to like get it back from Jake. Long story short, we're finally doing this cult. These are the Alaskan Pilgrim family. What? Oh, shit. Yes. So our sources start with that book, Pilgrim's Wilderness by Tom Kazia. So Tom Kazia was actually a reporter for the Anchorage um the new oh it's the anchorage daily news yeah because it's later down the list sure it was in 103.5 depressing Depressing. uh (laughs) anchorage daily news so he actually did all the reporting on the cases that happened and then wrote a book on it after um it's super interesting i highly recommend reading it we're only gonna barely scratch the surface okay in this it's our main source because there's still not a ton of information outside of that book and he kind of lived in and around near this cult so he's our main source 
that, that book again, just real quick. Can you do the name and title? Or, sure. Uh, name and author. Pilgrim's Wilderness by Tom Kazia. Cool. So you guys can add that to the Cult Podcast uh, book club. That yeah. Along with Cheese, 500 Different Ways. Yummy. By a Cult Podcast. So <laughs> We're writing that book. <laughs> 500 Different Ways to what? To cheese? Yeah. Like, yeah, just cheese. You'll know it, it when you see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they're like burgers four different ways? Cheese, 500 ways. Yeah. By Colt Podcast. Most of them are just me eating them. Yeah. <laughs> but in sitting in different, <laughs> more wild seats. 72 of them are David Pumpkins, and then the rest are just me eating cheese. There we go. Uh, so our next source is NPR. NPR News, All Things Considered. They actually did an episode where they interviewed Tom Kazia. Uh, the title is A Dark Family Secret Hidden for Years in Alaska's Wilderness, <gasps> if you want to listen to it. Are you familiar? No. Okay. I, just, um, I also have relatives up there, which are also a dark family secret hidden yeah. for years in Alaska's here's, Wilderness. Here's the thing. That's one of the things that they consider, because they consider <laughs> all, all, all things. the things. All 500 cheeses. <laughs> hey. uh, we've got OutsideOnline.com, ReligionNewsBlog.com. OutsideOnline? Outside, it's like an outdoor uh, homesteading site. It's for when your parents want you to go camping, but you're allergic to everything. Yeah, OutsideOnline.com sounds like the domain that a rich parent would buy to tell you to get outside. (laughs) It's just the, it's like a weird thing where you like click on things and you like learn about trees and it's like, why can't we just go outside? (laughs) Oh, I have that app, but it's how I order weed. Yeah, learn about trees. Uh, then we've got Anchorage Daily News, and then also local Alaska News Channel 11. Mm, okay. So is I, that the same news channel that that woman was fired from for talking on air about how much she loves smoking weed? I don't know. Oh shit! You yeah, know can what? you check that out? Yeah, give me a second. Because uh, that would be hilarious. Yeah, KTVA 11. Hell yeah! KTVA Channel 11. <laughs> There's nothing That's else the to one. do in Alaska but be cold and smoke. Whoa! All the weed. What? News anchor who quit on live TV to sell weed faces 24 years in prison. Oh, yeah, because no. uh, weed, I don't think, was legal there at the time. It was not. Yeah. So, to set the scene from kind of where Tom Kazia gets involved, in the winter of 2002, the Pilgrim family arrived in McCarthy, Alaska. McCarthy was an abandoned copper mining town of only about 50 residents at the time. It's a hundred-year-old ghost town. It's set in the middle of a national park the size of Switzerland. So I don't know if you know. Is it in Denali? Wrangell? St. Elias National Park? That's the one. Wrangell. Wrangell. Okay. Wrangell National Park. Wrangell National about. Park. Which uh, is so famous because they have their own genes. They grow in the trees there. <laughs> Wrangler. So Wrangell National Park is the size of Switzerland. Um, in kind of the gold rush era or or essentially in this case the copper mining era Mm. there was actually a town there but when the mines closed down the town was abandoned they built the national park around it Hmm. so there's still like this ghost town a town like a giant park around it and no one lived there for a long time until homesteaders kind of started to take over that tiny town in the middle and they started basically building it up into a new commune, sort of. Okay. There's what's still, the, yeah. again, only 50 people there. What time period is this? This is current. This is current. Oh, wow. This is You said like a before 2002, right? 2002. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what I thought. Because what you're saying sounds like fucking old time. No, no, no. Their name is literally The Pilgrims. Yeah. Yeah. 
The so only excuse for that is if John John Wayne himself saw your family and was like, now that's a family pilgrim. Well, we'll get into why they call themselves the pilgrims. In a sec. It's because of John Wayne came it's by? Not. It's not all that. I was going to say, too, if you've ever been to Alaska, there's parts of Alaska that are really old and completely untouched that's this like land like it's something that here we're like oh no we've been to the forest it's like no you have not like alaska is it's untouched because it's not super habitable did you just did you just look me in the eye and and did you just look a giant mexican man born in los angeles who earlier today said oh man it's like 70 degrees i think i'm gonna put on a sweater (laughs) did you just ask me if you've ever been to alaska (laughs) but that's no i mean that's literally this town this is the farthest you can get away from civilization by road it's quiet in a way you wouldn't understand like if you've only lived even like i grew up in the country and like alaska is quiet yeah. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Well, and, and I can't fall asleep without at least two gunshots. True. There was one earlier. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> feeling real sleepy. <laughs> but literally, this is as far as you can get away from civilization by road, which means if you want to get any farther, you got to go by plane or snowmobile. Yep. Or feet with or tennis feet. rackets on them. So, um, those are snowshoes, I'm pretty sure. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, in the 1970s, some marijuana growers kind of posted up there, but mostly... <clears throat> well, the thing is, is, is what they did was uh, they were working for the newspaper. They <laughs> <laughs> did an article that said, fuck it, I quit. Well, the cool thing is, is if you wanted to have a growing season, like Alaska can grow the largest pumpkins in the world because... they can grow year round, right? They can, well, no, because they're growing daylight hours during oh, the summer. Right. Yes. Oh. Um, so basically, you only have like four hours of nighttime in the right. summer. This might, this might be a dumb question. Is constant sunlight on a plant, especially something that's growing, is that... Can that be theoretically bad? Like, is that too much sunlight for, like, pumpkins? Only, only if it's not getting enough nutrients from, like, the, the ground the root system. Yeah. Okay. But well, in theory, you don't want it to be, dry out. In theory, it could be better because it would get more it through, like, photosynthesis. In general. Yeah, so you okay. could grow your weed in a season. So your, your weed will grow much faster because yeah. it's getting more sunlight. Well, weed is almost, when you grow it indoors, is constantly under UV lights. Well, this is, and this is outdoors for yeah. the most yeah. part. Yeah. Because so you can they have grow it outdoors. Which some people say is better weed, but it's up to debate. Anyway. Anyway, I'd like to say on this podcast, fuck it, I quit. I'm starting my own. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Not hella important to the story, but so that's kind of who was there. A handful of weed growers, mostly homesteaders. Homesteaders refer to people who have deliberately chosen to live outside of society for the most part. Um, And not always for bad reasons. For some people, they're just like, eh, I like the quiet. Yeah. Anytime you put home blank errs, it's like homeschoolers, homesteaders, it's long dresses and discomfort with other people. That's home exact, and gardeners, a- the people that read only <laughs> home and garden. That's exactly what this is, is long dresses and homeschool. Yeah. Um, so the, the problem arises when you have people like sovereign citizens who do it. That's where that's I... That's basically what this is. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. why I don't like it. So most people didn't readily go there. The only way to get to McCarthy was a 60-mile drive down a near-deserted dirt road covered in ice. Hot. It's a seven-hour drive out of Anchorage. Uh, one of the closest towns is Fairbanks. Okay. Um, when they arrived, 
They came in two trucks. The beds of the trucks were filled with his wife and 15 children who were huddled against the below 20 degree temperature. Jesus, man. They were just in the back of a truck? Oh, that's not for wow. 60 miles. That's not on okay. a bumpy dirt road covered in ice. Negative 20 degrees. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You lose one. You got 14 what month is more. This in? I don't know. It's just as winter. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's the that's worst kind time of the, to be the in tricky Alaska. part because this, they're so distant. Tom Kazia is one of the only people that we really have any sort of information from. Aside from the trial that happens later. Jesus. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. So they stopped the trucks and most of the residents of the town came out because they're like, who the fuck? What is, the fuck? Who yeah. is you? Yeah. Uh, and the family gave an impromptu concert from ever, for everyone nearby. They could all play musical instruments, largely bluegrass. My baby, don't mess around. <laughs> I no, what tried. they actually did was they did. All right, one, two, three, four. Free breadsticks. Uh, Get bring out of here every week. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I tried desperately to find audio because they did at one point make a CD. Mm-hmm. It's what? incredibly difficult to find. There are a couple things labeled as the Pilgrim family, but it's not necessarily them. The only video I could find of them actually singing is them singing with the family that they live with now, which I'll get into later. Okay. okay. So you're saying they pulled up. It's a tense moment. Everyone's like, what the fuck's going on? They get out of And the they play br- bluegrass. Yeah. Johnny, hit it. Except there, there's 15 of them. Oh, Cons- my God. Considering how cold their fingers were from that negative 20 degree ride, that is an impressive feat. So, yeah, and this is... Pa, check out these calluses. They're made of ice. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. But so this is Country Rose, and they're 15 children that range in age from four years old to 30. What? These sound like characters in a pilgrim-themed restaurant. They gave all of their children biblical names, and oh, we'll God. only get to a couple of them because some of them were redacted from the court files for the children's privacy, and so I'll respect that. That's good. Um... They're also, they're all crazy. They're like Hosanna, Jerusalem. Like, they're not necessarily even traditional Bible names. Hosanna sounds like the name that somebody calls their maid because they weren't ever really sure. Yeah, that's uh, Miguelio and Hosanna <laughs> over there. Um, so they're, they're kind of picking these names at random. They don't always, some of them are made up Bible names, like uh, his oldest daughter, Elishaba. Uh, <laughs> that's not oh. an actual Bible name that I know of. Elishaba becomes very important. Yeah. And here's she's the, she's 30. Here's the thing. The first five, you put in a lot of effort. And then everything after that, you're just like, I don't know. So fun fact, they've actually changed Elishaba's name. So how did they get here? Let's start with Papa Pilgrim, the patriarch. So his actual name is Robert Allen Hale. Knew it. Uh, <laughs> he's also known as Bobby Hale, but more commonly known as Sunstar or Papa Pilgrim. Okay. Uh, he was born in 1941 along with his twin brother, Billy, and they also have a younger brother, and they grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. At 18 years old, he eloped with his 16-year-old high school sweetheart, Kathleen Connolly, uh, the daughter of a future governor of Texas. Um, they went to Ardmore, Oklahoma, where it was legal at the time to get married at 16. They then moved to Tallahassee, Florida, where he worked for a boat company earning $75 a week. 
and they'd only been married about 44 days before Kathleen was killed after a 20-gauge shotgun discharged by right behind her right ear. Jesus. What? Who discharged that gun? We'll get to it. So, uh, they were fighting because they're teenagers that uh-huh. got married and moved far away from their family. Uh, he spent the night in jail pending the coroner's ruling, but was released when her death was ruled accidental. I'm not sure it's accidental after Yeah, this. what the fuck? So he testified that they had argued, and then he left the apartment and did not return until noon the next day. Upon his return, he saw her about to commit suicide with the gun, and he lunged for the gun, and it went off, killing her. That's his story. Great story. Okay. Fuck. It's, it's possible. I doubt it possible but i I don't you know her father also came to testify because he did not like bobby oh yeah probably not didn't like him at all uh her father testified at the hearing that his daughter had been pregnant and was despondent about the move to florida so far away from her family this becomes kind of a common theme with Papa Pilgrim, that he likes to isolate people away from their support systems to exert control. Really? I haven't seen oh, anything that would provide evidence for this. I know, right? So, three years later, in 1962, uh, he and his twin brother Billy were implicated in a burglary when they entered the Los Angeles apartment of Judith Exner, who was allegedly a mistress of JFK. Hmm. Uh, so... Apparently, the reason for the burglary, according to one of the investigators at the time, was to gain and use information about Kennedy's extramarital affair to pressure him into picking a contract for the Pentagon. It was one of those things where I was like reading it and I was like, what? This is nonsense. I can't even. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's my spec script that I wrote when I was yeah, 13. Thank I, you. How did that get thank in you. Jesus. Um, throughout the 60s, um, Bobby and occasionally Billy ran in the same Los Angeles circles as Charles Manson and his family. Of course. Yeah. He taught transcendental meditation on an Oregon commune. Uh, He went on a vision quest in South America. He thrived anywhere where people were, quote unquote, seeking answers and willing to listen. So friends, neighbors, and other family members uh, characterized him as a master manipulator possessed of a mesmerizing charisma. Kind of like last week. Hey everybody, this is Charles Manson. I'm just here to tell you that guy, Bobby, he's he's a bit of a nut. <laughs> Brother Billy, pretty good though. One of his followers at the time, Priscilla Wilburn, said, "Bob could have done anything with my life if he wanted to. I swear, once I did see him levitate." And you know, the weirdest part about it is he did levitate, and then he turned around, and the first thing he said was, mind freak. And at the time, <laughs> at the time, it made no sense. But several years later, I was watching TV, and I was like, God damn it, Bobby, you did it again. <laughs> so in 1974, uh, at the time, 33-year-old Robert, uh, now he was going by the name Sunstar. Oh, Jesus. He met 16-year-old Karina Rose Bressler in the California desert, and she fell in love with him and his charisma they Mm -hmm. got married wait so he's how old now 33 and she's how old 16 ha cool Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. uh she would later take on the name country rose and together she and bobby would have 15 children they put in the cotton country yeah exactly uh so his twin brother billy change in lifestyle came a little bit later and wasn't as public um, he married, he had kids, he established himself as having a normal family. He was a veterinarian uh, back in Texas. 
And then in 1993, he threw it all away to follow his brother. Hmm. So always known as a devout Baptist, Billy uh, decided to step his faith up a bit. He started to become a street preacher. Not really. It says it just says he became a street person for a while. To street go out the person, street, and, street preacher. Yeah. It's just this is more common than I thought. Yeah, you know, street preaching is hella common, dude. Yeah. Um. So on the streets, he blended his knowledge of animals as well as his preaching. So he had trained a puppy to play dead, so he could pretend to bring it back to life. Okay, oh, that's pretty badass. My God. Yeah. Um. He finally left Fort Worth, left his family and friends behind, um, and he went to New Mexico, uh, specifically the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, where he reunited with his twin brother, Bobby, who was newly married to Country Rose. I prefer Deli Rose from uh, Yellow <laughs> I've Deli. been thinking about that the whole time I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm hungry, but I would love to go to Yellow Deli. Yeah. And I know it's open. Oh, yeah. But still, I'm like, it's a two-hour drive. Um so Bobby and his wife Karina were expanding their family of children, all bearing names taken from the Bible. Again, like I said, loosely. Um, we'll get to Elishaba's original name as we go. So in 1998, Hale proclaimed himself to be a devout Christian. This is Bobby. And he moved his family from New Mexico to Alaska to isolate them from all the outside influence. This is punctuated by, right around the same time he was talking about moving to Alaska, his brother abandoned them in new mexico this is billy so bobby wants to go to alaska Uh billy's with him in new mexico billy runs back to his wife in fort worth and is like they are fucked up in new mexico man i don't know what's going on there's a bunch of different stories where like billy claims that bobby had told people he was god which he had that's very Mm-hmm. accurate um but also that he was like sending his oldest sons out to like leave billy on a mountain and abandon him like it was just bad blood between the two so and he's basically like kind of low-key trying to kill his brother yeah i think he just wants him out of the picture yeah and i'm not sure a hundred percent why I well he doesn't it's want anyone very clear well if you're god and you have a twin brother and yes. he's not god here's, it's awkward here's right? what i'll say uh I think moving into a little bit of the speculation zone, it is, um, you'll see a lot of times these people who call themselves gods will try and sever themselves from any human connection that they've had, changing their name, making all records of their past life different, and disavowing their family. So this is probably part of that, trying to be like, I want to be a god. And I'm talking about New Mexico. This isn't like, you know, Albuquerque. This is like the mountains away from people so again we see him isolating yeah and the worst thing is that he got when he as soon as he got away he was like and the worst part was that he got really into turquoise like i mean it is (laughs) i mean like new mexico is pretty into it but bobby he took it to another fucking level man (laughs) i think the man is wearing turquoise underoos <laughs> he called them under blues. I'm so sorry. Oh, God. oh God. So he moved them from New Mexico to Alaska to isolate them from all the outside influence, including churches. Because he didn't <laughs> believe any other churches were inspired by God. He believed he was the only one that could save people. Okay. And that all information divine came through him and that disobeying him was tantamount to disobeying God. Okay, so that seems to be. I don't know. You seem like you can kind of tie that in with Billy leaving. 
Well, right. yeah, it's really hard to say that you're the one true God if someone's like, nah, remember this time when we were kids and you sucked? Like, you yeah, just can't. Exactly. God damn it, Billy. <laughs> and Billy was also one of the only <clears throat> remaining reminders of his past with crime. Oh, mm, yeah. That's another that thing, sense. too, because he met Country Rose after the burglary and after his first wife had died. And so the only person that would potentially have an actual memory of those things was Billy, yeah. as far as the people around them. Well, it's yeah. also like his wife is 16. Any kids that he has are pretty young. So he you can't exert control over someone your own well, age. This in the is same he's way. getting rid of his brother in like nineteen ninety five, six, seven, which means his wife was sixteen in nineteen seventy four. Oh, oh yikes. Okay. So this is now like twenty years later. And so he's now fifty. She's in her thirties. They have most of their kids at this point, probably about 10 of the 15 have already been born. Jesus. Yeah. Um, if not more than that, actually, to be honest, probably closer to 13 or so kids have already been born. Um, so at that point, he wanted to move them to Alaska. They started out, uh, they tried in Homer, Soldatna, and Fairbanks, Alaska. So Fairbanks is actually kind of a suburb in Alaska. They moved there, and he decided they were still too close to society. Yikes. So that's when he moved them to McCarthy. So they purchased 420 acres. <laughs> in, yeah. <laughs> um, they called it Hillbilly Heaven. That's actually a strain of weed, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Probably. Uh, and this was in 2002. So from okay. 1998 to 2002, they moved kind of through a couple different cities in Alaska, finally setting it, settling in McCarthy. And so at that point, so their like, youngest child is... like 60-something, right? He's about 66. 66, okay. Um, their youngest child is four, give mm. or take. Ugh. Maybe a little bit younger at this point. So they've had a child in Alaska. Okay. And then they've got Ella Shaba, who's already 30. These seem like the type of people who do the birthing themselves. They do. Okay. Funny you should <laughs> mention that. Papa Pilgrim is a trained midwife. Oh, more like Popham Pilgrim. And he trained El Shaba as well. So I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. They had all 15 kids at home, and he was kind of known for his midwifing skills. That'll actually come into play in a big way towards the end. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Is it still... Is it still a midwife if yeah. it's a man? Um, some people, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you could. I or is that technically the middleman? Is that the a, guy they're talking about? A, a, a. I mean, now I think people more commonly call them doulas, but, hmm. you know. I don't see why midwife couldn't be a dude, I guess. I they spent the first year or so having supplies delivered directly to them via plane because it was one of the easiest way to get ways to get to the compound what a fucking do you imagine living somewhere where the phrase is oh yeah the plane that's the easiest way to get here. and and i mean like tiny supply planes yeah well that's the thing is so like in alaska they have all these kind of like puddle jumpers and yeah. there's seasons where you can use the plane and there's seasons where you can't yeah mm -hmm. so they built up the kind of cabin around and they kind mm -hmm. of built up their farm there and they would have supplies flown in Eventually, that got too expensive. Um, I don't say. 
Don't say. And a lot of their money came from donations from people that were kind of following them outside. Okay. Also around this time, a lot of people would had like heard about them on homesteading sites and would come visit the compound. So what what Weird. necessarily are their beliefs? So their beliefs are basically that he is God and his word is law. Okay. And that everyone else is evil. He's also very emphatic about, there's a, a section of the Bible that says, you are to be in the world and not of it. Mm-hmm. And most Christians would take that to mean, hey, you live in a world where sometimes people do evil things. Make sure that you're not one of those people. So essentially, like, be the good you want to see in the world, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So don't follow everyone else just because it's what everyone else is doing. Don't follow laws just because they're laws. They may be unjust. Like, follow a moral code, mm-hmm. even when everyone does not. And so he's using that. He's using it to an extreme. Okay. Which is basically like, don't even be a part of the outside world because it is so evil. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is something that I wanted to that I that I believe I should have covered more last week is um, people were following Emmanuel David because they thought he was God, but more so because they saw something in his story where they lost their touch with the uh, the ch- Church of uh, Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. They lost that. They found a group of other people who had been excommunicated for their beliefs, and so they followed him for that reasoning. And maybe I should have gone more into that. So just, does he, so his beliefs... Um, He's not pilgrim. Con- he's not connected to any specific church. Okay. So he's he's literally just using the Bible to control these people. And so he'll get followers. He was getting followers as he fall as he just kind of frolicked along. A US. little bit because they didn't interact with a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their followers came from online, even though they didn't have any internet, computers, TVs, um, radios, anything in the house. Okay. They barely had electricity. And the only books in the house were the Bible. Hmm. So, but a lot of people would find out about them and find out about their family, especially because they were kind of popular locally. Mm-hmm. They were known to kind of go visit everyone else in the town and even to go into Fairbanks and visit people in Fairbanks as well. And they would constantly play music. They were a fixture of the community, even though they didn't really take part. Oh, yeah. They're a fucking traveling... They're hard to miss. Yeah. yeah they're, they're basically like if you put the animatronics from a Chuck E. Cheese on a truck. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so they're hard to miss. Mm. People have kind of taken notice of them from a homesteading perspective of just like, look, they're roughing it in the wild. That's so cool. I wish I could do that. People were donating to them for that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, roughing it in the wild always looks so romantic from far away. Yes. Mm-hmm. From the comfort of your home, it's like, oh, let's rough it in the wild and die. Would that you could die? Yeah, like uh, what's his name, Christopher McCandless? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Roughing it in the wild sounds like a sex position where it's just you don't shave for two months and then you there have you unprotected go. sex. So you Yikes. mean November? Oh, there we go. <laughs> so in 2003, uh, Papa Pilgrim attempted to clear 13 miles of an old mining road with a bulldozer. Uh, it incited a legal clash with the National Park Service. Oh, fuck. Because he was using an old road that he was like, this road was here. It's a road. I should be able to use it. And they're like, this is National Park land. Please stop bulldozing it. Um, it was a legal fight that they would never end up being able to finish. Um, like I said, his teachers, teachings largely revolved around his own version of Christianity. Um 
and being in the world and not of the world. Uh, dishonoring him was the same as dishonoring God uh, in this extreme isolation, because even though they're quote unquote a fixture around the community, it's 420 acres between them and anyone else. Yeah, plus it's in the cold-ass Alaska. It's in cold-ass Alaska. They really put the ice in isolation. Exactly. Uh So the only time they would really see other people was when they would choose to go into town. And there were kind of rules about who was allowed to go, who wasn't. Yeah, it's like in those old, like, settler, like those old Western movies, like... Heading into town, be back in a couple of days. Like that's yeah, what this that's is. exactly what this yeah. is. We're gonna bring um, Joshua, not Josiah, because he is a better bass player. That's <laughs> really what it comes down to. So in this isolation, um, the abuse that apparently the family had already been experiencing in New Mexico. Again, we don't have a ton of records from that time. Uh, it escalated so much turquoise. <laughs> so was Billy? I mean, like, did Billy when he got back? Talk about he did talk about he didn't like the way that they were yeah he didn't like the way that Bobby was treating his wife and the way that Bobby was treating Elishaba but he didn't go into a ton of detail okay and and he's never gone on like record record so it's all kind of hearsay which is a little frustrating Um, but here's some of the things that were brought up in court during victim impact statements by the way. The victim impact statements are online. You can watch them. I chose not to actually play them for you because I don't want to depress the hell out of everybody. Uh, If you want to watch a four and five-year-old tell their dad about all the things he did to hurt them, be my guest. Uh, Go ahead and search for those. Dude, I've seen Hereditary, all right? (laughs) It's going to be fine. So uh, here's some of the things that came out during the trial. Uh, one time he dragged Country Rose out of the cabin by the hair. Oh, my God. And then he pasted fistfuls of her hair to the wall as a warning to others. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, he was so mad at her. Not only did he have to, like, drag her out of the house, he had to make arts and crafts. <laughs> um, It's even, like, sometimes when I see a spider, I'll kill it and just leave it there for a second. Just so the others like, will see? Yeah, so the other spiders know. Um, he ordered his oldest children's older brothers to the whipping barrel and would lash them until they bled. Um, oh God. Their mother was forced to shove a rag in the boys' mouths if they screamed too loud. Oh. And mind you, this is too loud. There's 400 acres. No one can hear them. Yeah. Also, a sign that you might be in a troubled family is if you own a whipping barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially in 1998. Yeah. Or 2002. Yeah. This- oh, Jesus Christ. Way more recent. <clears throat> Uh, he also beat the baby of the family uh, and he would push people away when they would try to stop him. Mind you, the baby at the time of the trial is four. So right now, when this is happening, the baby is two. Oh Jesus Christ. Um, the children weren't taught to read or write. The only ones that were taught to read or write were the oldest three. Um, the only books in the house were the Bible. Uh, he raped at least one, if not most, of his daughters. Oh, my God. And told them that it was correct behavior. He basically told them there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, he banned all toys and dolls as a form of idolatry. Um, one homesteader actually stayed with them at the homestead, and he describes the visit. Uh, he said, each night... Papa Pilgrim would take a bath prepared for him by his children. They would haul water to fill the tub and chop wood to stoke the fire. Children were allowed to bathe every third or fourth night. 
in their father's dirty water. At mealtime, Hale was always served first by the sturdy and headstrong Elishaba, and he was the only one to eat fresh vegetables. Because of the standoff with the park service, uh, the mood at the time was pretty tense. And one evening, he gathered the family in prayer and said, Lord, if they come at us with guns, we pray that they would have a bullet for each one of us. So basically, it's like, I will take you down with me. Insane. Yeah. Um, What struck this traveler was basically the control that he had over the children. Um, He didn't want him to have his computer screen facing them because he worried that the kids would become enraptured. Um, He told them to ignore him and not give him any eye contact. The traveler? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this brings us to Elishaba. She's already been mentioned. She's the oldest. She's kind of headstrong. She kind of helps run the house. Um, You can tell how terribly this family is treated when one of the things that's used as like encouragement is this one they said she's the only one that gets to eat her vegetables no 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 he eats the vegetables oh she serves him the vegetables could you imagine being jealous of eating vegetables like as a child that's all i mean she's serving her father vegetables he's the only one that gets to eat fresh vegetables just imagine being a child and being like man i wish i could eat my vegetables right so when she was born uh her name was butterfly sunstar now she goes by ella shaba uh, she was born in 1975 so a year after they got married um approximately every two years for the next 30 years her mom had another child all birthed at home so for multiple decades they raised sheep goats grew vegetables um on a northern New Mexico ranch owned by Jack Nicholson. Wait, what? The actor Jack Nicholson. What? So she was born and raised on the ranch in New Mexico. By the time they moved to Alaska, she was already an adult. But um, did Jack Nicholson just have a ranch and they like squatted there? He Apparently there was an arrangement with the actor's business manager. Weird. So Jack Nicholson didn't necessarily know them, but they were like renting out the ranch. He's involved in a lot of this like weird shit, right? He's come up in every single episode we've recorded today. We've recorded three. Yeah. <laughs> um, throughout uh, their wanderings, her uh, Papa Pilgrim dabbled with New Age tracks like the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ. But it wasn't until 1979 when living on the ranch that he converted his family to Christianity. But it was his version. This is basically where all of the, I guess, abuse starts. That convinces full-blown adults to move with their abusive family to Alaska. Because you gotta imagine, Elishaba has never known anything but this family. Yeah. And at 30, is still with the family. Like, it's it's rough. There's, yeah, there's a lot of weird uh, alternative kind of Christian beliefs that treat women even grown women in families still as the property of the father yeah uh which lends itself to kind of an easier way of manipulating grown women yeah they're groomed they're groomed and also of sexually assaulting them because they see themselves and are taught to see themselves as the property of a man for their entire life Mm mm-hmm Um, His rules about leaving were so strict when they were in New Mexico that sometimes they would go six months without interacting with anyone outside the family um, because they had no social, normal social interactions. Um, Strange stuff happened. The older sons um, recounted episodes where 
Several of them as teenagers were forced to share single beds and they experimented sexually with one another. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you cram a bunch of kids in a place and don't let them talk to anybody else. Um, If any of Papa Pilgrim's commands were disobeyed, he would administer corrections, uh, a correction. They could be unbelievably barbaric. Uh, When he found out that his sons had experimented, he lashed them over a whipping barrel. Experimented with them with each other. Okay. I mean, again, they're trapped. No, but but he was more. It seems like he was more upset that they were that they were doing something gay than he was that they were having sex with their own family. I feel like it's both. I feel like it's bad all around. I don't think it necessarily mattered whether it was them or the... Because, yeah, I don't know. Because he was having sex with the daughters. That's what I mean. So maybe well, that's very possible. There's a weirdness that happens to something that is kind of weird in a lot of these cults is it seems like the fathers start to kind of like they want to repress the sexuality of their own sons because that sexuality threatens their it's a strong competitor yeah, yeah they see them yeah. as a competitor so they don't want them to be sexual in any way because right. once they become sexual beings then they can compete for the affections of the other daughters yeah um around the time ella Shaba turned 18 he started forcing her to satisfy his sexual oh my god proclivities um, I mean, he's clearly a pedophile. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so around this time, they're now in Alaska. Um, Ella Shaba is being forcibly raped on a regular basis, along with some of her younger sisters. And they have been able to go into town a couple times where they met another family that was kind of like them, but not as abusive, where they have like nine kids. We'll go into them later. But just meeting other people kind of engendered this desire to escape, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the two oldest sons escape, and they kind of join this other family. When you say two oldest, how old are they? They're in their late 20s. Okay. Yeah, mid to late 20s. Because Ella Shab is the oldest at 30, and they're like 24 and 27. Okay. So they escape. I've known families that are like, where it's like that, like grown people have to escape and try to become their own person. Yeah, so her two brothers escape. Um, They end up meeting and marrying the two oldest daughters of this other family and start families of their own. But so they escape in part because of what is happening to Ella Shaba. They finally realize what's going on. He's like locking her in the shed and raping her. It's horrifyingly terrible. Um, and because they're now on the outside and she now has a connection on the outside, Ella Shaba tries to escape. So I'm going to read uh, her account of escaping. So after his sons left, Papa Pilgrim became even more violent. So Ella Shaba feared that he might soon try to take her life. So on a morning in March of 2005, uh, after Papa Pilgrim had left the homestead early with two of his younger, son to ga- younger sons to gather supplies in town, she tried to make her break. As soon as he left, she gathered food, sleeping bags, white sheets, one for her and one for her younger sister, Jerusalem. Um, at 16, she was the second oldest daughter. Uh, they thought that the sisters could use this to camouflage themselves in the snow, is why they have the white sheet. Hmm. Um, Ella Shaba called her brother by phone, and the two made a hasty plan to meet in McCarthy, where they could then return to other cities and escape. Um, but getting to McCarthy meant that Elishaba and Jerusalem would have to make it down the McCarthy-Green Butte Road, again, that 60-mile road, 
before their father began his return. And they would have a few hours, but there was no way of knowing exactly how many. Not all 60 miles, but like 13, like a stretch of it. Um, once in town, they would have to hide until their brothers arrived. Elishab and Jerusalem said goodbye to their mother and their remaining brothers and sisters and loaded a snowmobile. So the other family members are helping them escape. Like, or at least they're like not stopping them. Yeah. They loaded a snowmobile, but when they turned the ignition, nothing happened. He, uh, Papa Pilgrim had removed the spark plugs, essentially trapping everyone at the house. So Jerusalem ran into the tool shed, scrounged up, scrounged up a spare, managed to fix the snow snowmobile, and they made it about half mile down the road to the snowy meadow when the engine belt gave out. Jerusalem plodded back up the trail with a spark plug to fetch another machine while Elishaba hunched over the machine, the engine trying to repair the belt. Um, she says, it was like a dream where you run for your life and nothing's working. Where you try and run and you can't run. She knew her father would be starting up the road any minute and even if she gave up and returned to the homestead, he'd notice the snowmobile in the meadow and he'd realize that she had tried to get away. So there's no turning back. After a few more minutes, Jerusalem returned on a second snowmobile, and they set off again. Uh, meanwhile, in town... So she that mean, she walked back in a, a mile? Yeah, at least. Yeah, to... Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so they'd... Hit, meanwhile, in town, her father had kind of finished gathering supplies and headed back up the road. Mm-hmm. And so they passed them on the road and were like, that's weird, there's two girls on the road. But so they basically narrowly missed. Um, He got back home. He was debating with his sons about whether any snowmobiles were missing. He seemed agitated and mounted his own snowmobile. Snowmobile headed back to town. Um, When he arrived back in McCarthy, um, Hale mentioned something about Elishaba and Jerusalem going missing. And they realized that those were the two women they'd seen which meant that now that he's back in town, they can't go out into the town. So they had to hide in the woods, in the snow, for two days. Wow. Camouflaged with those white sheets. Yeah. That's a fucking horror movie. Two days. Yeah. Every aspect of that is like a... a, It's a great movie because you get to walk out of the theater knowing it doesn't exist, but when you know that it does... It's, yeah, my heart is... I'm so upset right now. Yeah. I don't yeah. feel good. Uh, they survived by wrapping themselves in sleeping bags and white sheets while their father patrolled the nearby roads and trails. So he's out looking for them. And they're surviving in the snow alone for two days. This is lo- this is like a real-life version of The Shining. This is Jack yeah. Torrance looking around the fucking hedge mage. And literally Danny backtracking his footsteps and hiding in the snow until he knows his father's gone. So on the third day, after it looks like Papa Pilgrim had stopped looking for them, um, the girls went and were able to call their brothers who basically rescued them and brought them to where they were staying with the other family that they had met. Mm -hmm. Um, And that other family eventually convinced the children to go to the police. And they're saying children, but these are adults. Yeah. To go to the police and talk about basically what had happened to them. Um, And then Hale was arrested October 6th. So it was a couple months between their escape and his arrest. It took a 12-day manhunt for them to find Papa Pilgrim and actually arrest him. Is this a photo of him? That's a photo of him. He's 66, but he looks 80. He's terrifying looking. Mm Mm-hmm. 
State troopers reported the suspected abuse. They uh, went on a 12-day manhunt. They finally found Papa Pilgrim in a tent with a wood stove, basically hooked up to the tent, where he just basically went deeper into the wild. They finally found him. At the trial, there were four hours of victim impact statements. The youngest children read letters to their father, but because they never learned to read, they had to be taught to read so they could read their victim impact statements. And listening to them is so difficult (laughs) because, like, it's they're struggling the entire way, not just because of the emotion, but because they literally cannot read. It's real rough. His family members told the police that he had routinely beaten and raped Elishaba for years. She was the main one that they actually were able to file charges against. It was about eight counts of um, sexual, excuse me. Because it was on the thing, some states have a statute of of limitations against sexual assaults, but most states, a lot of states actually don't have limitations if the sexual assaults are on a minor. Right. So if it was abuse that was happening to her as a minor and it was ongoing, you could... Yeah, because it's your statute of limitations takes effect the last time the assault took place. Yes. So if it was continuous, that means she can claim all of it. So it was, I believe, eight counts of sexual assault. Um, he was incarcerated in September of 2007, and he died eight months later on May 26, 2008, because uh, he was a diabetic and had been in poor health. Good. Yeah. Um, so the family now it's basically country rows and all these kids they've never been outside (laughs) they don't know how to function in a normal society so they all moved in with that other family so the other family is called the Buckinghams so Jim Buckingham who's the father retired as a lieutenant colonel after 26 years in the army um, and teaching at West Point he has an engineering degree and a master's uh, one from Stanford one from MIT and a doctorate from the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. So during a deployment to Fairbanks, he actually found kind of a secluded place where he thought he might like to build a cabin because Alaska is beautiful. It's really Mm -hmm. pretty. It's gorgeous. So they built a cabin along Chena Hot Springs Road and they basically kind of just adopted a simpler life of like... We don't really have a TV. We don't really have, you know, not necessarily like forced, just we've chosen to live this way. And he and his wife have nine children. So in 2003, kind of as he was retiring, he drove his family to Alaska in a 15-passenger van, and they built a cabin on that road. And um, they basically had kind of lived there peacefully. Unlike the pilgrims, they were out and about in the city all the time. Like, they're, they're still fairly conservative. They're definitely homesteaders. But they weren't as restricted as the pilgrims, and there wasn't abuse going on, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so for now, the children finally got to meet children that weren't their siblings by moving in with this family, which is super unusual. A lot of their older children have intermarried and now have children of their own. Um, That's... It's it's a little weird. Yeah. It's weird, but it's also incredibly difficult to deal with abuse and people that have been abused and trying to form relationships with people mm-hmm. that have been abused without any sort of treatment or help or any sort of just like assessment of what happened because yeah. trauma the way that like trauma inflicts itself on your psyche is you can just 
freak out about yeah. something that seems incredibly minor mm -hmm. and just to deal to like be the partner to someone like that takes an incredible amount of patience understanding yeah and like lack of you know what i mean so mm -hmm. if like you're living the secluded life and you just like aren't really haven't experienced those things you might not understand how to be in a relationship with someone. and they've yeah. talked about that too where it's been they basically were like it's been a huge growing process where not only are we now sharing the cabin that was already kind of small for nine of us we're having to learn how to deal with people who have experienced trauma yeah. and lots of it yeah it's you not know? just like one bad thing happens like no. my life has been a nightmare how are yeah. you a person but at the same time part of the reason why they kind of advocated for them to move in with them is because like let's say you've been in this giant 15 person family and then all of a sudden you don't have that family anymore yeah. Well, it's, the, you know, you, you can't just drop somebody into modern society and be like, survive. Well, a lot of like foster situations break large families like that apart. Right. And if you don't have like, if you've experienced a traumatic situation, having your brothers and sisters that have also experienced that yes. trauma to just to testify like, yes, this happened. You're not crazy. It's okay right. to feel this way can be incredibly healing. And, and not only that, to be in an environment with even just other people that understand the type of family you were in. Yeah. Because here's the thing. It's like, even let's say we found a safe place for them where they could all stay together. What are they just going to like walk around Spokane, Washington? Like, you know, as a 15, but they still are going to stick out. People aren't going to understand them. They're going to have mm -hmm. a much steeper learning curve for rejoining society. But instead, they're kind of living with a family that's almost like the better version of what they should have been. So they're kind of in a more peaceful lifestyle that doesn't shock them with reality. Yeah. If that makes sense. I'd also, I'd like to take a second to remind everybody that we are a comedy podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we do we do, do jokes occasionally. Yeah, occasionally. Mm, it's just going to get more depressing. I kind of want to know. Um, it's more. Sad. Yeah, it's more just whatever what happened to the actual family, the the second family basically that they've joined. There are videos of them with this family singing. Um, that's one of the only ones I could find of them actually making music. Gotcha. So I mean, they are again. Let's not forget ultra conservative. You know, basically sovereign citizens. Yeah, we we just showed. Um, I just showed. Paige we just yeah, we just found a picture of one of the oldest sons and his family now. With they're all wearing "Make America Great Again" hats, which is like I'm I'm looking at what I can only assume is at oldest, because there's a bunch of kids, and one of them is at oldest maybe four. Yeah, a four-year-old boy tiny. who's wearing a hat that doesn't even fit on his face. Right on his head wouldn't go on your face shouldn't fit on your face but right. yeah so that's i mean still ultra conservative i mean and it is your right to do so but you know to lighten the mood a little bit i mean this is a real dark one yeah um but part of the reason cassie wanted us to cover this so bad is she has a personal connection to this cult oh no what so she used to live in alaska okay one of her good friends mm -hmm. uh, at the time was pregnant and got into a fight with her midwife, essentially, uh -huh. and then went into labor with no one around. 
that's Alaska, you can't just like, all right, ambulance. Like, you know, you're not necessarily close to shit. Yeah. That's why she had a midwife in the first place. So funny enough, she lived close enough to the Pilgrim family at the time with, I think this is before they went to McCarthy. This is back when they were still kind of living in normal cities. And they used to come around and visit all of the other people that lived nearby and say hi and check in on them. And so luck would have it. She went into labor. She'd been stuck in her own cabin, laboring, worried about what was going to happen. Who should show up? Papa Pilgrim and Elishaba. Yeah, Papa Pilgrim, well known for his midwifing skills. They delivered her baby successfully. Oh, my God. Kid's like 16 now. Ugh. That's so creepy and Isn't weird that and crazy? crazy. Yeah, she showed me pictures. She showed me pictures of the kid when I was there. It was just like, yeah, this kid was delivered by Papa Pilgrim and Elishaba. That's so delivered crazy. by a yeah. madman. And safely, didn't need to go to the hospital. Like, he actually was a good mid- midwife. That's, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you, like, it's not always easy to healthily deliver a baby at home, especially if, like, like, what if there's complications, any number of things, you're not close to a hospital. Oh, so, dude, I fucked up delivering an oven pizza the other day. <laughs> I'm not going to try to deliver your baby. Yeah, so him and Elishaba successfully delivered that child. Fuck, man. But also, horrible person. Yeah, definitely. Poor Elishaba. You go, girl. People can be good at their jobs and be a horrible person, a la R. Kelly. True. Great at his job horrible person i don't even know that he's great at his job but yeah so yeah sorry kind of a downer yeah i promise that so we talked about it um the week before we took off but we are working on uh, a multi-part episode that we're even going to get some guests who have some uh knowledge on it so we have something coming up for you guys it's going to be real 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 fun so yeah we got something coming up for you guys uh plenty of other episodes and uh dude i just got off of being sick so i'm fucking vital as all hell (laughs) and uh if you haven't had a chance this week there's a new episode of potter ring on it yeah give it a listen it's It's got my dad on it this time it's one of my favorite fucking people Yep, yep. It's also, I believe it was on the first episode, and it might be on this one, I made the intro thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I made a song. Mondo made our intro beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that. I Yay. make those. Shit. Yeah. Well. I know. I'm trying to think of something happy to like. This is kind of like, do you remember after we finished recording Ant Hill Kids, and we just kind of sat there for a while because it was so upsetting? Yeah. Remember? This, this is kind of like that. Yeah. I don't feel good. Mm-mm. No. No, if you made it through this one, uh, I don't even know, man. Pat yourself on the back. Hey, if you need counsel, if you need somebody to talk to after listening to this episode, feel free to message yeah, me. No, don't call us. We're unqualified. Yeah, yeah. Speak to I, a professional. I want to, if, you, if you hit me up, I'll be like, I don't know, man. Listen to the... The one about the Crips and smoke some weed, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Try. I, I usually recommend Synanon is a fun one. Mm, uh, and mm. then our episode on Thalema. Yeah. It's another fun one. I one with consenting adults. The the whole time, though, especially towards the beginning that we were listening to this, right now I'm half expecting an after the credit scene, like a Marvel movie, where it's like uh, they take Papa Pilgrim away and then behind the trees, a movement shadows 
come out from the trees. People inside of the cabin turn around and see a force of moving figures approach the cabin. They go outside and they go, who are you? The lead figure goes, us? We're the Bundies. <laughs> and that, like, that's what I'm fucking expecting. I hear you were trying to clear a path. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to clear this path. We're going to clear it right. <laughs> Fuck, man. Oh, bulldozer. Shit. If you want to tell me how wrong my views and accents are, please feel free to DM me or follow me on all of the social media at Mondo Does Stuff. M A N D O Does Stuff. And if you want to send me something to cheer me up after having to read a lot about this cult, uh, please send it to at Page Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. And do read the book about this. The book was oh, actually yeah, really definitely good. Definitely do. And if you want to send me some of your long pilgrim skirts uh, so that I can become acceptable to you and the men in your pilgrimage, uh, please <laughs> please send them to, or send them on all the things, Instagram, Twitter, what have you, at Sundress Comic. Thank God. You would not believe the ankles on this harlot. Let me tell you. <laughs> and if you want to get in contact with the show, then you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. On Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can send us an email containing anything like other book recommendations or reasons why I shouldn't talk to Andrea as mean as I do. And our email, <laughs> go ahead and send that to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. If you want to send us your old copies of Gladiator because you know it's a terrible movie and you need to remove it from your collection. Oh, fuck off. I will fight you. You, you could send it to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, like, like The, the Shining. Shining. A good movie. Los Angeles, California, 90065. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a fight. We're in a fight. Right <laughs> Them's fighting words. You should take it to the arena. <laughs> if you're wondering, I am entertained. <laughs> Let me get my samurai sword and let's duel. Oh, always a samurai, never a bride. <laughs> Still proud of that one. <laughs> like pot a ring on it, it's a good name, but always a samurai, never a bride would be way better. <laughs> Uh, There's still time, Paige. There is, there is. I mean, but like, I will be a bride next year. That's kind of like the point of the frog. I'm sorry. Our rings are gonna look dope as fuck. Cassie did an amazing job. Fuck I yeah, want to see him. Um, oh, you showed me. You showed, I showed me you the, the picture of the bands. Okay. Yeah, we should actually be getting them bands. in the next couple weeks. Bands. Bands to make good bands. Bands rule everything around me. Um, Bream. Bream. <laughs> Bree, get the cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say don't drink Papa Pilgrim's bath water. Oh, oh God. There was, what do you fucking, oh, who do you think is worse? Papa Pilgrim's or bath Shoka water? Asahara? Or Shoko Asahara's bath water? I am. Mm, here's the thing about like the Shoko, North. I feel like he technically sh bathes more often i feel like shoko I, I picture shoko as being very sweaty yeah but i feel like papa pilgrim got dirty and crusty i think the difference is shoko's is like salty water but this one is a broth this is yeah. a papa broth and remember the whole family Ugh. 
Don't drink anything. Never drink a single thing. <laughs> drink the cherry pomegranate crystal light. Oh, yeah, that's pretty Ooh. good. I've been finishing off that box. It's, it's delightful. Shit. Shout out to Manson, dog. What up? And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.